0: Y'all doing okay? Everybody good? Man, all right. Well, uh, hey, listen, let's give it up for those who were baptized this morning. Jesse, following Christ in Believer's Baptism, let's give it up one more time. She's got family and friends that are here to uh, see her walk through the waters of baptism and, you know, just being obedient uh, to God's Word. And then next service, we've got like four people that are going to be going through the waters of baptism. So that's kind of a big deal. I hope you guys don't ever get to the point where you take that for granted. I tell our staff all the time, I said... We are a very blessed church where we see people come to know Christ on a regular basis and we get to see them go through the waters of baptism. That is a big deal. There are some churches, man, I'm just telling you, they baptize maybe one or two a year. And here we get to see it nearly every month. There's people going through the waters of baptism. And nearly every week God is saving a soul. It's been amazing to see what God's been doing in the body of of Christ. Amen. So, good stuff, good stuff. Well, today, we're going to talk about uh, something that most of you guys probably want to talk about, but you're afraid to talk about it, or maybe you thought, hey, well, it's, you know, you're not supposed to talk about that. No, it's in God's Word, and we're going to talk about, uh, you know, intimacy, we're going to talk about sex, and, you know, and we've already kind of gave the disclaimer, so you guys know that, hey, you know, we have a children's ministry. We've done that last week. We did it, you know, earlier in the service, just letting you know if you don't want them to know, you might want to send them over there because they're going to hear it today, and they're going to hear it God's way today. So anyway, so we're going to dig in, and uh, we're we're finishing up a series called Love Songs, and it's today we're digging into Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is in the Bible, and uh, it's uh, it's right in the middle right there, uh, close to Psalms. It's an incredible book, and uh, oftentimes people will look at this book, and you know they look at it different ways. They look at it, hey, is this a A love relationship between a man and a woman, or is it a story about God and His love for the nation of Israel? But we're looking at it from the biblical view that, you know what, this is a courtship and this is a marriage that we're looking at. So the best way to look at this book is a a literal, powerful description of the romantic and sensual love between a man and a woman, observing both their courtship and their marriage. And so first, and here's the thing, I know some of you guys probably won't jump right into sex, we're not going to do that, right? We're going to talk about courtship first. We're going to talk about, you know, honoring God in how we approach that, how we get there. And so what I want us to do is I want us to kind of look at a couple of the passages here. Number one, it says they recognize godly character in one another. They recognize godly character in one another. So they courted each other. They, they, they saw qualities in one another. And so they recognize godly character. It says, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. Song, songs, uh, so- Song of Solomon 1-2. And then it says, how pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women Love you, Songs one three. And so look at this last passage here. It says, "A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like a cancer in his bones." Proverbs twelve four. And so here's the thing I love is they are seeking a a godly relationship. They're they're wanting to be God honoring in this. And so there are many of you in this room that maybe you're still in a dating relationship, or maybe you're you know you're not dating anybody right now, but you're thinking, God, there's got to be somebody out there. Then here's the thing is we've got to be willing to say, listen, there needs to be some standards that we set on the front end. And so we want to look for godly character, godly character. I talked a little bit about it last week with Lori. You know, whatever, what uh, you know, intrigued me and draw, drew me to Lori was her godly character, was her walk with God. You know, it, you know I, it was one of those things where I was like, I've never met anybody like that that has gone that many years without missing a quiet time. I've never been around someone who memorized scripture and, you know, and shared scripture so freely as Lori did. I'd never been around someone who had a heart for the homeless and, you know, and was willing to go out and really put her life at risk to share hope and to share food and to give jackets away. It was the godly character that I saw in her that drew me to her. And so prayerfully, that's exactly what she saw in me. That, hey, there's something different about this guy. And so I would just say to you, if you're in a relationship or if you're wanting a relationship, you know, don't, don't buy into the world standards where it's all about looks and it's all about what stuff. But look at their character, the godly character that is there. Now, some of you guys that are already married, you know, here's the thing. You're constantly developing your, your godly character on a regular basis. You know, you might say, well, Mike, I'm, I'm already married. I'm not courting anymore. This is who I'm stuck with. That's the wrong mentality. Wrong mentality. You need to be changing, allowing God to change you and conform you into the image of Christ to where you're going, you know what, I want to be more like Christ. I want to love my wife. I want to love my husband the way that, that Christ teaches us to and so our character is, is, is vital. And so when we look into the story, we see that, you know what, they recognize the godly character in one another. And what attracts us to someone, you know, it, it should be something that will last forever. And godly character is a great quality to look for. You know, looks will fade, right? You know, looks will fade. You know, we always uh, joke about it. We say, you know, you know, looks are only skin deep, but ugly goes clean to the bone, right? You know, I mean, we joke about that. But here's the thing is... Looks are going to fade, it'll, it'll go away. Gravity's going to do its, its work, things will change. But here's the thing, is their character, who they are. What is character? Who, character is who you are when no one else is around, right? So their character will last. And so what we ought to be building relationships on, and it's what they're teaching here, is hey, look look for godly character, someone who wants to love God with everything that's in them, that is seeking after you know, Jesus, wants a relationship with them. And so they, they recognize godly character. Look at the second thing here. They built godly trust. They built godly trust. And so the, you know, the question we have to ask, hey, is, is the person that I'm dating or the person that I'm, I'm in this relationship with, are they seeking God? And then the, they built godly trust. Look at what it says here. It says, I am dark but beautiful, a woman of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kadar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I'm dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me, and they forced me to care for their vineyards, so I I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. And so here's the the lady, the bride, the young woman here is saying, hey, listen, don't look at me because I'm dark. What she was saying, hey, I'm tan. Now, tan wasn't cool back then. I, I want you guys to understand, you know, spray tans were not in back then. You know, so they didn't have booths like that that you went to. I mean, if anything, they wanted to be light skinned, like, hey, I haven't been out working in the fields. It looks like I've got a little something to me. And so they would take good care of their skin. If we go back and even look at some of the pictures back in the day, if you were light skinned, it meant that you had wealth and maybe you had, you know, good education and all these things because you weren't having to work out in the fields. You know, you weren't having to get darker and darker and darker. So she is saying, what she's doing is she's being vulnerable with this guy. And she's saying, hey, listen, I'm letting you know my insecurities i'm letting you know what i'm struggling with and so she's going hey listen i i'm dark-skinned because i've been working in the in the vineyards i've got a tan you know and it's not a cool thing back in the day now today everybody be like hey man she's got a good tan but back then it was not the end thing and so she's what she's doing she's being vulnerable with him she's letting him know hey this is a struggle for me but what he does is he loves it away he begins to talk about how beautiful she is, and, and he goes on in the passage, and I really just didn't have enough room in the, in the outline today to cover everything, but he talks about how she, she is beautiful like a horse, like a white horse. You know, and some of you ladies are going, like a, like a white horse, like, do what? But understand, back in the day, if you were a white horse in a chariot, that was like the best that you could have. And he's saying, you beautiful like that prancing white horse. Not that, hey, I'm looking at this as a negative thing. And so she is sharing her insecurities. I've shared with you guys many times, you know, growing up, I've battled insecurities. Everybody has some type of insecurity, something they're embarrassed about. It could be their body. It could be their, their, their hair. It could be whatever. It could be their background. It could be their family. And so they share their insecurities. And what she was doing, she was kind of testing the waters like, hey, this is what is wrong with me. Do you still love me? And let me just say this. In a relationship, there's times whenever someone shares an, uh, an insecurity, you know, or a, a vulnerability. And what they're doing is they're looking to see, will you still love me? Am I still acceptable to you? And there are times whenever someone sees those things and they go, I'm walking away. But real love is going to love past those things and go help them love themselves past those things. And so here, what we see is this picture. Of his of her lover going hey listen you're beautiful to me you're incredible to me and you know quit looking down on yourself that that's part of what draws me to you and, and so there's there's an incredible trust here so they, so they built godly trust she she shared her insecurities he loved her past that and I'm just telling you in a courtship that's what you need if you've got some guy or some girl who's constantly putting you down and and what they do is they use your insecurities to manipulate you and to try to, you know, use those things against you. Here's what I'm saying is you need to find someone else, especially if you're just in a relationship that you're dating. Even if you're engaged, let me just say that, even if you're engaged. I tell young people all the time, I say, listen, if you're engaged, you still can say no. Up until you say, I do, you have an out. But once you say, I do, you're saying, hey, I'm in to the end. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm in. But if you're in a relationship, you're dating someone, if you're even engaged and you've got someone who is constantly manipulating you, Constantly using your insecurities against you, you need to find someone that loves you the way Christ loved the church. You need to walk out. You need to let that one go. Because I promise you, God's got something better. And, and so if you're in a relationship where you're constantly being manipulated and abused, you've got to be willing to walk away from that. So what they did, what we see here in the picture that God gives us is godly character and godly trust. And then here's the thing. They practice godly standards. So here, here's what, what she says to her. She says, tell me, my love. Where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? And so what she is saying, she goes, listen, why why would I be treated like a a prostitute? I'm not just one of the easy girls. And in some translations it says veiled women. And that was considered a prostitute. In the New Living Translation it says prostitute. And so what she said, hey, listen, don't treat me like a prostitute. Don't treat me and think that you can just abuse me. And so, ladies, I would just say, I know in this day and age, we've got to the point of where it's like, you know, hey, everybody's sleeping around. That's just what everybody does. But if you want what no one else has, you have to do what no one else is willing to do. And so what I'm saying is, if you want what everybody else has and you, you get all these broken relationships, then just do what, what, whatever they're doing. But if you want something more, if you want what God has for you, you've got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to save myself. I'm going to wait until I'm married. There's so, many, there's so many times today we've got the pressure, and I know our young people have so much more to deal with than we did, but they have social media, they have TV that is broadcast into their house 24-7, and mom and dad pays for it. We pay the cable bill. We, we even get subscriptions to everything else that's out there. And everything that comes in is sex-saturated and tells our, our young people, hey, listen, you just need to go ahead and do whatever you want to do. You know, you need to enjoy yourself. You know, you just need to be sleep with anybody and everybody until you find the right one. That is what is broadcast into our homes and into our phones and everything else. But I'm telling you what God says is if you'll wait, I'll give you the best. If you'll wait on me, I'll save you a lot of heartaches. I'll save you a lot of pain. You know, there's things that, you know, we do just to try to fit in that I'm just telling you some of you young ladies and young men that you will, you will wrestle with that the rest of your life. You're being pressured to do it now by the world and by your friends. But I'm telling you, God is saying, hey, listen, if you'll wait, if you'll wait, I'm telling you, it'll be better. It'll be better for you. It'll be better for your spouse. And, and I know for many in this room that may sound archaic, but what it is, it's biblical. It's what God says is, you know, hey, listen, I've got the best for you. And so they practice godly standards. Tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? And what he's what saying is, hey, listen, sex is something that is honoring with, to God within the confines of marriage in a covenant relationship. And what we talk about, you know, is as Christians and as believers, this is not just some you know, contract that we enter into. It is a covenant relationship that we enter into. And we'll, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit more towards the end. But here, I want you just to understand that it's important that we honor God. And so if we honor God together, if you're in a relationship, if you're dating, you look for ways. And, and I can remember, listen, Lori and I dated, you know, we, I've been in dating relationships. I know how easy it is to cross that line. And so what we would say is, hey, listen, we would just not do certain things. We would Establish standards. Hey, we're not going there. We're not going to stay here alone. We're not going to lay down to watch TV. There's things that you have to do to keep yourself from getting there. But too often what we do is we want to see how close we can get to the line rather than how close we can get to God. And I would just say this. If you're in a relationship and you're not married yet, don't see how close you can get and what you can get away with. Because here's the thing. What what you end up attempting or trying today won't bring the same feelings the next time you do it. You'll want to go a little bit further. And so instead of continuing to press the envelope and try to get a little bit closer to the line, what I would say is, hey, listen, try to get close to God. Get in a relationship with someone, fall in love with someone that, you know what, they love God. Because if they love God, they're going to honor Him with their body. They're going to try to honor Him with their mind. They're going to try to honor Him with their strength and with their life. And if you're doing the same, here's the thing. Both of you are going to line up with God's Word, and you're going to want to say, you know what, I want to live in a way that honors God. And here's the thing, if we do that, we're honoring ourselves as well and the one that we love. And so they practice godly standards. And, and let me just say this, if, if, a guy, if a guy will love a woman and not treat her like a tramp, not treat her like a prostitute, not treat her like she's a, just a piece of meat. I want, let me just say this, this, is going to sound funny, but for some of you guys, if you ever wonder why ugly guys get good-looking women, that's part of it right there. Whenever he loves her the way Christ loves the church... She is drawn to that. Uh, there's plenty of guys that aren't that great looking, very average. I mean, I'm sure people look at me and they look at Laurie and they go, how in the world did he get her, you know? And, and so it's because I try to love my wife the way that Christ loved the church, willing to lay down his life for her, willing to serve her. And, and so if you ever see a really unattractive guy with a really good-looking lady or maybe an incredible woman, you think, all right, what and Maybe he loves her the way that Christ loved the church. It's kind of a... It kind of balances it out, guys. I just want you to know, if you want something to go in your favor, start loving a lady, treating her like she's a lady, honoring her, respecting her, pursuing her, protecting her. Here's the thing, then she will love you. She will love you with a God-honoring love. And I remember, you know, talking about submitting. One time, Lori and I were team teaching. And Lori... You know, she took the part on submitting because a lot of times whenever we read in Ephesians chapter 5, when the women talk about, read it where it talks about it, submitting to your husband, a lot of times the women's hair bristles up. Now, I've got a lab, and when she gets uh, scared or aggravated or thinks something's going on, boy, the hair on her back will stand up. And I can just tell you, whenever I talk about submitting sometimes, I can watch the same thing happen on the women in here. You know, it's like, what's he talking about submitting? You know, is it, he's, you know he's talking junk now. But I'm just so Laurie was sharing, and she said, hey, ladies, I want you to understand. If my husband loves me the way that Christ loves the church, he puts me, you know, first. He serves me. He he cares for me. He protects me. He he chases after me. She says, "I I'm willingly submit to his leadership." I heard that. Yes. Is there another one in the room? Ladies, hear what I'm saying. I mean, you've got to be willing to submit to that, not because you're wanting to submit to him, but you're wanting to submit to God's plan and God's purpose. And so, practice they practice godly standards. They they didn't. Share in everything they waited until marriage and so that's one of the ways that we get so love your 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 wife like christ loved the church or love the one that you want to be your wife in that way So there's a couple things here that that I think we have to be willing to say hey These are off limits. I will not number one sacrifice my relationship with god in a dating relationship I'm, not going to sacrifice my relationship with god I'll be transparent with you. I was single I was a believer and I started dating a couple of girls. And, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of it was, hey, you know what? They were good-looking girls. Started dating them, but there was not, there was not godly character there. And I remember going one night to a, a service. And as I sat there, I knew that I need to, needed to end that relationship. I didn't need to be in that relationship. Wrong relationship. Beautiful girl. And uh, as I'm sitting there, I realize it. And we're walking out. We walk out to the car. And I, and I, I tell her, hey, listen, I said, I really feel like we need to probably end this relationship. She goes, I knew you were going to say that when I heard that guy teaching in there. All right, so here's the thing. She, what? she knew it wasn't right either, right? And so there was a lot of truth in that. But here's, here's what I was not willing to do. I was not willing to compromise my relationship with God for a relationship with her. And you've got to be willing to do that. And if you're willing to sacrifice your relationship with God, I'm telling you, it's not the right person. You need someone who's going to pursue you, but it's going to push you and encourage you to, to honor God with your relationship. Here's another one. I will not compromise God's standards. I will not compromise God's standards. Now, there may be some of you in the room, you've already already compromised God's standards. You know, virginity went out a long time ago. But here's what I believe. I believe that God can make you a spiritual virgin. I can remember whenever I got saved, you know, I was not, I had had messed up in this area of my life. And I can remember whenever I got saved, I felt dirty and I felt kind of you know, whatever. And I just remember, you know, going before the Lord. I got on my knees one night and I said, God, I want to ask you to forgive me for everything I've been a part of. And I felt like God made me literally a spiritual virgin. And so that may be you. Maybe you've already blown it. Maybe you've already messed up in that area of your life, in that arena. But I'm just telling you, God can forgive you. He, he, will, he will literally make you clean. And here's the thing. You'll begin to walk from there. But you've got to be willing to say, you know what, God? I, I don't want to compromise your standards. I want to honor you. I want to live for you. And God, I, w- I want to live according to your word from this point forward. So today could be a turning point for some of you. Instead of continuing to walk down the same pattern, following the same path, and say, you know what, God, I want something different because I promise you he's got something better. And then here's the last one, I will not play house. And let me tell you what I mean by that, living together. I know that's the popular thing in this day and age. It's everywhere. And so what we'll do is we'll just live together. We'll see if it's going to work out. We'll play house, and we'll see if this is going to work out. And if it does, then you know what, then we might get married but I'm just telling you, that is not God-honoring, and there's lots of Christians that do that. It is the popular thing. Hey, we're just going to live together. Hey, it makes financial sense. It makes, uh, you know, it, it's, it's convenient. But when has it ever been about convenience and financial common sense or whatever, whenever it should be about being godly and being of good character if you're a Christian? Now, let me tell you this. If the world says that, that's a different ball game. And I'll be, I'll be, I want to be clear. I don't expect lost people to act like godly people. And if you do, something's wrong with you. I don't expect that. God doesn't expect that. But God does expect His people to act like Christ. God does expect those of us who claim to follow Christ to kind of act like Him and follow His teachings and line up with His Word. And so if you're living together, I'm just telling you, you're living in sin. And again, it goes back to what I said earlier. You can either sin together or you can, be, you can honor God together. And if you really love that person, you just say, you know what? I don't want to dishonor you at this point. I want to honor you, I want to honor your parents, and I want to honor God. And so you've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, God, I want to align it with your word. I want to align it with your truth. And and so it's one of those things we say, God, I don't want to break your standards. And so those are things that says, I will not play house. I will not cross that line. So let's move to the next one. Here's what everybody wants to hear. It talks about the honeymoon, about the intimacy, the sex, right? I can remember, you know, whenever Laurie and I were planning our marriage and we were getting married, and a lot of times this is the way... What guys? What do you guys think? Ladies are planning out the wedding. Guys are planning out the honeymoon, right? Guys, is that right? Y'all scared in here. Y'all scared in here. You're thinking about how good that honeymoon's going to be where the wife is thinking, hey, what's the ceremony going to be like? How is gonna, this going to be? You're, maybe you're sitting by your wife. You're afraid. But I'm just telling you, man, I was thinking about the honeymoon. I'm going... You know, I want the service to be good because, I mean, we planned it out to where, you know, it was a worship time. I mean, we had worship songs in our service. We, we did communion together. We prayed together. We wanted it to be special. Don't get me wrong. But I'll go ahead and tell you, man, I'm thinking about the honeymoon. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be awesome. You know, and I'm thinking about, where, hey, where are we going to go for the honeymoon and what we're going to do on the honeymoon and all that stuff. And so here these two have, have, they have courted one another. They have decided, hey, this is the one. This is the one that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so let's dig into the honeymoon. So God honoring sex. God honoring sex. Now, that's, that's key right there. I want us to be clear. God honoring sex. How do you have God honoring sex? I've got a friend of mine, he, he swears up and down, this would bring world peace. This could bring world peace. This could literally be life-changing if those who are married and in a married relationship would just do it. I mean I'm just telling he he says, man, I'm just telling you, he said there would be a lot of frustrations that would go away, a lot of arguments that would disappear. He said, man, there would be so much more peace, there'd be so many more flowers bought, candy given, all these things if if married couples would just honor what God's Word says to do, and that is to minister to each other's needs. And too often what we do is we manipulate and we withhold and we do whatever or maybe we kind of lose sight or we quit chasing or we quit pursuing and we kind of get busy with other things, and our passions go other ways. But if you want to honor God, God-honoring sex can happen, and it should happen within the confines of marriage. And so this honeymoon that you're seeing, this, this celebrating of God's love, this celebrating of God's covenant is a big deal. So world peace. If you want to be a part of helping with world peace when you're married, you know, make love to your spouse. You know, On a regular basis, it will take away a lot of the frustration. So great sex. sex starts before the bedroom. I think most of you know that. But great sex starts before the bedroom. It starts in a lot of different places. Let's look at this passage here. It says, You are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves beyond the veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. That's real romantic sounding, isn't it? I love this this next part here. Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. She's got all her teeth. Man, that's a big deal, you know? I mean, that's a big deal. She's got all her teeth. They're actually white, you know, and, uh, you know, and so, and I know today we've got dentists and we've got dental floss and we've got toothpaste and you've got whitening strips. They didn't have that back then. That was a big deal. You know, so, so anyway, so he's going, hey, listen, you got, you got your teeth. That's good. You know, and, and they're, they're, they're all matched up. They look real good. You know, they're straight. And uh, so they didn't have braces back then. So this is a big deal. So he's talking about the the, the attraction to her. He's talking about how her, her, she's let her hair down. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. That some of you get, ladies have short hair, and you got, hey, my hair is down. But sometimes if a lady's got her hair up and she lets it down, it's like, woo, all right. You know, kind of sending a signal. You know, sending a signal. I always joke with Laurie. Laurie can walk by me and brush it. I'm like, hey, you sending a signal? She's like, please. You know. You ladies understand. You guys understand. So anything's a signal to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, hey, hey, what'd you say? Yeah, I'll help you with that or whatever. So anyway, so letting the hair down is part of the signal. Look at what it says here. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. I mean, he is. He's 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 buttering her up, right? I mean, he's telling her good things. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. You know, you're sitting there. He, he's talking about how beautiful she is. He's talk He's he's giving her words and compliments. Now here's the Funny thing, and I've shared it with you guys a lot. My love language is words of affirmation. It's not Laurie's. See, I'm always telling my wife how beautiful she is, and it doesn't really mean that much to her. I'm sure she appreciates it. But for her, you know, preparing for, for great sex is me washing clothes, is me dusting, is me, you know, you know, cleaning, cleaning, cleaning the dishwasher or whatever. Those, And I'm sitting there going like, this is not nearly as much fun as what I was doing, you know. My other one is physical touch. So if she walked by and brushes me, I'm like, hey, is that a signal? That's why I'm that way. If she were to walk up and put her arms around me or, or just, I'm thinking it's on tonight. She just wanting to hug, you know. Or, hey, will you pop my back, you know, and I'm like, I thought it was more than that. So, so you've got to know each other's love language as well. You've got, you got to know, hey, you know, what what, you know, what kind of cranks her boat? You know, let's, let's figure that out. But it could be all kinds of things. So great stick starts way before the bedroom. And it could be stuff like romance. Like he's romancing her. He's telling her all these beautiful things. Maybe it's sending a card. You know, it could be lots of things. Maybe it's flirting with your spouse. You know, I know, you know, a lot of times we think about flirting with our spouse is, hey, listen, it's just, you know, it's kind of like part of the routine now. I think that's wrong. I think you should still flirt with your spouse. Not anybody else. Don't ever, you know, if you go, well, I'm just a big flirt. Well, if you're flirting with everybody else, you're in sin. I'll tell you that. But if you're flirting with your spouse... Man, more power to you. Man, pour it on. So part of what you're doing is you're flirting with your spouse. You're planning. Yeah, I can remember one time I picked up Lori for a date. And and I grew up with my dad. Does anybody remember when gas was like 33 cents a gallon? Anybody remember that? I'm probably the oldest one in the room on that. But I can remember when gas was 33 cents a gallon. And my dad would always stop and put $2 worth of gas in. I thought, why don't you fill it up? But back then, $2 would go a little bit further. And my dad ran out of gas all the time. I mean, all the time in high school, I can remember thinking... Daddy just fill the truck up, you know, but he wouldn't. That was just kind of a. It was he was stuck on that. It was like two dollars worth of gas, and then he he really stepped up. He started putting five dollars worth of gas in, you know. And and so one night I picked up Laurie on a date, and we were we were going somewhere, and I pulled in to get gas, and she goes, "Why why haven't you already got gas?" And I was like, "Because it's on the way." And uh, she was like, "Well, it makes me feel like you didn't plan the evening, since you didn't plan to get gas." And I'm thinking, "What the heck's wrong with you?" You know, I mean. It's on the way, and so I'm, I'm gassing up, and I only put like maybe $10 worth in. I wasn't much, you know, better than my dad. She goes, why don't you go ahead and fill it up? And some of y'all are going like, dang, Laura's a control freak. She is. I'm going to tell you. And so anyway, so I, I go ahead and fill it up, and I'm thinking, she's right. So, for, you know, ever since then, when I stop fill up, I fill up my truck. But I try to plan a date. I try to plan an evening because it conveys, hey, you're valuable to me. You're important to me. And so I'm just telling you, if you want to have great sex, it starts way before you ever get to the bedroom. And it starts with romance and flirting with your spouse and planning and washing the dishes and, and, do, and whatever is their love language. Maybe it's a gift. You know, maybe you get them a gift. You know, so it, it starts there. And then, and let, me, and let me just say this too. With that, sometimes just sending signals is a good thing. Like I can remember, you know, a couple times whenever Laurie's thinking, she might say something like, hey, I was thinking maybe tonight, you know, after the kids go to bed or whatever, you know, and I'm thinking, hey, dude, she just initiated. That's a big deal. And, and for me, I'm thinking about it all day long. You know, I can't, you know, I want to give the kids Benadryl, try to get them to sleep, tight, whatever, you know. But I can but remember thinking, you know, hey, man, I'm focused on that because she just initiated. Ladies, let me just tell you, that's a big deal. If the guy is always initiating, that's frustrating because we are supposed to, the two are supposed to be becoming one. And don't sit there and go, well, that's his job. No, it's not. It's both of your jobs to pursue one another, to chase after each other. And so you've got to be willing. And I see some of y'all looking at each other, so I know there's truth in there. You know, but you've got to be willing to pursue one another, initiate at times. So great sex starts way before the bedroom. And then look at this next uh, statement here. Great sex is tender. Great sex is tender. And so whenever it's God honoring sex, it's God honoring sex, it, it starts with being tender. So look, look at this one out of Psalms. Out of Psalms four or five here it says your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle, grazing among the among the lilies. Now you might go, All right, what does that mean? I think y'all know what that means, right? I mean, she's got two matching, if you will, and uh, he's he's complimenting them again. He's already talked about her hair, how beautiful it is. Now he's talking about her breasts and how nice they are. And 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 I don't know, and I'm a hunter, you know, so I, I like to hunt. So I was thinking about this, you know, like in, if we're in a tree stand or whatever, if we're hunting, you know, you have to move real slow to not scare off the deer. Right, guys? I mean, if you, if you guys know how to hunt, I mean, if you turn real quick or whatever, they're going to see you. They'll see that movement. pyong, they're gone. And, and so here, you know, he's saying, hey, listen, he goes, your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. In other words, they're just grazing. They're taking it easy. They're taking it in. And so... You have got to be real gentle with them, real tender with them. You can't go ah, you know, whatever. You gotta, you gotta slow down. You gotta take your time. You gotta move slow, right? I mean, ladies, am I wrong or what? But you gotta kind of move slow, or either you may get rebuked. So, uh, so great sex is is tender. It moves slow. You got to be patient. You can't just rush. In there you 've got to be willing to take it easy and, and again you 're working your way there it, it, the old joke is you know a guy is a, is a he's a what he 's a microwave, and a woman is a crock pot he 's ready to go she needs a little time, and so here you 've got to be tender you 've got to be gentle you 've got to work your way there so anyway, so just keep that in mind, and for you guys that are not married yet, when in one day one day you 'll be able to experience that and kind of figure out how that works and i 'll just tell you this it doesn 't work the same every time a woman. The Bible says, hey, live with a woman in an understanding way. Peter said, hey, listen, they will change with the wind. And men, we understand we're always having to figure out a different way, right? I mean, it's just part of it. Women change. It's okay. It's part of what God says. So great sex is tender. Great sex is passionate. So great sex is passionate. So let's look at this. It says, before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. So... What does that sound like to you? It sounds like all night long, right? Right? I mean, I mean, that doesn't take a whole lot of deep biblical interpretation to figure that one out. Let me read it again. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the Mount of Myrrh and to the Hill of Frankincense. And what he's saying, all night long. And so, let me just say this. Great sex is not always a quickie. It's not always a quickie. So those of you that are married, you understand what I'm talking about. You're not just trying to squeeze something in, You're not getting something, checking something off the list. It's taking the time and literally all night long. Multiple times all night if you need to, if you can. I'm just saying that's what great sex is about, and that's what the writer is saying here. Man, if you can go all night, go all night. Now, some of y'all are thinking, dude, that this, Mike, this is a honeymoon. This is a honeymoon. But, hey, listen, the honeymoon is a month of sweetness. And so what we should be doing is working towards, hey, you know what, enjoying each other as much as we can. And let me just say this. Great sex is passionate. It's passionate. Now, I know you might be thinking, all right, passion. He's talking about passion. But here's what I'm saying. Those things that you're passionate about, you have no trouble putting a lot of time into. Those things that you're passionate about, you have no trouble putting a lot of effort into or even a lot of money into. And so here's what I'm saying. Like, I know guys that are passionate about golf. I knew a guy, his name was Dean, that I worked with in college, that he he was a fireman. He would literally work on the side cutting yards, and all of his money went towards two things that he was passionate about. One was golf. He would go, literally, on his day off, he would go and walk 18 holes of golf. And then he would go in and get something to eat. He would turn around and he would walk 18 more holes of golf. And then when he would get done with that, if there was enough time left, he'd start another one. He would play golf all day long because he was what? He was passionate about it. The money that he made cutting grass went towards uh, going, sending him to, to, uh, to London and to Pebble Beach and everywhere that you can think of because he was so passionate about But let me tell you what he wasn't passionate about was his marriage. He wasn't passionate about his marriage. His marriage didn't last. But he was passionate about his golf. And I'm just telling some of you guys in here, you're passionate about things. And I would say this to some of you guys. You're passionate about your, your, your hunting. You're passionate about your guns. You're passionate about your golf. You're passionate about certain things. You put time, energy, you read articles. You do all this stuff, but you don't put any effort into your marriage or the intimacy with your wife. Some of you ladies the same way. You put all your, your passion into your clothes or maybe into your shoes or maybe into your kids. And you don't put any passion into your marriage or intimacy with your husband. And I'm just telling you, God's Word is clear that that is where we should be passionate. It's meeting the needs of each other emotionally and physically. And I understand that most, most women, they need their emotional needs met you know, through their husband, you know, to affirm them, to encourage them, to tell them that they're beautiful. But men, ladies, understand this. Your husband has physical needs. He has physical needs. And, and biblically, you if you're in a marriage, you are the only outlet he has. Pornography is not an option. I know that pornography is rampant. Even in this room, probably 80% of the men in here have, have been to a porn site in just the last few weeks. And let me just say this, the growing number is among women where they're going to porn sites and they keep getting caught in, up in porn addictions. And let me just say this, that is not where God wants that need met. He wants that need met through your spouse. And, and ladies, hear what I'm saying. Whenever you don't meet that need for your husband, you're opening up the door. You're giving the devil a foothold. Women, whenever you know, you, you've got a need and you're, you know, maybe it's an emotional need and you're thinking, hey, well, my husband's not meeting that need. I'll get somebody else to do it. You're, you're on your way to a divorce. You're on your way to an affair. Emotional affairs are just as guilty as sexual affairs. They're one and the same according to Jesus. And so hear what I'm saying. Sex is something that we should be passionate about. Great sex is passionate. We give it everything we got. We, we work hard at making sure that we, we, we satisfy and we please our, our, our spouse. God has given us this need in each other. And the two shall become one. It's, it's important that we, we see it that way. And so, great sex is built on absolute trust. Here's the next one. Great sex is built on absolute trust. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. He's telling her, hey, listen, everything about you is beautiful. And and so, one of the things that we've got to understand is we are never to say anything negative about our spouse' spouse's body. That's just not what you do. You can go walking together. You can go work out together or whatever. But here's the thing. You don't tell them, hey, I love you but this about your body or if you look like this or if you look like her or whatever. And, and, and guys, don't be dropping hints like, boy, man, if, if you look like her, things would sh- sure be different. Women, you know, I'm going to tell you, wives don't like hearing their husband talk about how beautiful some other lady is. You may think it in your mind, but you don't have to tell your wife. You know, they don't need to hear that. They need to, ha- to hear how beautiful she is. And so, men, I would just tell you, you know, one of the things that we can do is we can be truthful, and we can be honest, and we can build trust, and we can tell, hey, you know what, you're beautiful to me. We said it a while ago, you know what, our bodies are going to change. It's just part of it. The best you may ever look is when you get married. You know what I'm saying? It, it, whenever you're young and you get married, that may be the best you ever look physically. But that's not what you're focused on if you're focused on godly character. You're focused on the heart. You're looking at the inside of this person and you're going, you know what? They are beautiful. It's not their body. Our bodies are going to change. They're going to wither away. They're going to die. You know, and here's the thing. These bodies will literally go back to dust one day. And so if that is what you're in love with, you've missed it. It's something deeper than that. So there has to be great trust. And we never, ever say anything negative about our spouse's body. And what we do is we realize, you know what? This is how God has said that we can meet each other's needs is with the bodies that he has given us. And look at the next one here. Great sex is sensuous. I I love this part here. And and it's sensuous. It's sensual. I mean, it's powerful. It says, you have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace, your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume, more fragrant than spices. Your lips are sweet as nectar. My bride, honey and milk are under your tongue. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. He, he's, just, he's ministering to her need, to her emotional need. He is telling her how beautiful she is. He is ministering to her emotional need. And, and so here's the thing. We are to minister to one another's needs, physical need and emotional need. And then this last one, and we're going to be done. Great sex is holy. Great sex is holy. God-honoring sex is holy. It says, look at what he says in Psalms song, 412. It says, you are my private garden, my treasure, my bride. A secluded spring, a hidden fountain. What's he saying there? You're a virgin. He said, hey, listen, you saved yourself for me. You you're, you're, you're are my private garden. You're not everybody else's. You haven't been with everybody. You're my private garden is what he's saying says you are a garden fountain a well of fresh water streaming down from lebanon's mountain look what she says she goes awake north wind rise up south wind blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around come into your garden my love and taste its finest fruits if you wonder what he says, she said hey listen here i am come enjoy all that i am and i'm telling that's a that's a that's an erotic sensual picture there but here's what i love about it: it's holy it's holy within marriage it's beautiful within marriage. What we've allowed the world to do, and there's some of you sitting in this room, that you, you, you're Christians, you're believers, you're followers of Christ, but you've allowed Satan to taint your thinking into thinking that sex is dirty or it's perverted. And it's not It's beautiful, it's holy. Within, here's the thing, within the confines of marriage, within a covenant relationship, between a husband and a wife, it is holy. Holy means set apart. Holy means something powerful, set apart, that is a, literally a witness of God. And so we are to be holy. God's people, we're to be holy. We're to be set apart. We are to be His ambassadors, the ambassadors of Christ, sharing His love, offering the hope of Christ, the good news. And so holy means to be set apart. And so you have saved yourself, even if you're a spiritual virgin. From the point you make that decision, you say, you know what, from this point forward, I'm saving myself to my marriage. God will honor that. God will honor that. We've let the world... Per- Make things dirty or perverted, and so what we've got to understand is you know what it's not it's holy. If we were to go back and I know if you know much about the Old Testament, there were blood sacrifices that were given. And those blood sacrifices might have been a cow, it may have been I mean a bull, it may have been a, a calf or whatever it may have been a sheep, whatever it was, it was the best they had. And so that was done. So we get to, that's the old old covenant, we get to the new covenant with Jesus, and Jesus goes to the cross and he bleeds out his precious blood for you and for me, right? And so he says, hey, listen, only with this blood being shed for the sins of the world, past, present, and future, he literally covers us and allows us to be holy, to be made right with God. So for the Christian, for the believer in this room, when we put our faith in God, when we put our faith in what Christ has done, when we put our faith in what Christ did on the cross, and we receive literally the gift of eternal life that only comes through faith, we are saved. But we're washed by the blood of Christ. We are made new. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. That is why I'm telling you, you can be made new today by, by trusting in Christ. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a literally a blood covenant that we enter into. So marriage. And let me just kind of give you some background. This may gross some of you out, but it's, just, it's biblical. So whenever back in the day, in, in the, if everything was just right... The guy would take his bride, who was a virgin, he was a virgin, they would go in and they would have sex and they would they would consummate their covenant if you would they would literally they would initiate and, and it, this would mean you know what they would have a towel under them, and they would everybody would send them into a room, they would have sex they would come out and they would show the towel with the blood on it, and everybody would start cheering. I know that sounds crazy today, but they would start cheering, saying, "You know what they have consummated their marriage they have, they've bought, brought it together. the two have become one. And so, therefore, it is considered a blood covenant relationship. So that's why we talk about in a marriage, it's a covenant. And as weird as that may sound back in the day, it is a picture of God's holiness. When we make love to one another in a a relationship, it is God honoring. It does not embarrass God. If anything, God says, go and enjoy. Go and enjoy one another. You know what? And and he tells us, hey, listen, to make babies that way and enjoy it, even for recreation, but enjoy being together. God tells us that. And so whenever we pervert it or make it dirty, what we're doing is we're taking something that is holy, that is set apart, that is only for the covenant of marriage, and we taint it. And even as Christians, sometimes whenever we begin to try to make it dirty, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what? This is holy. God, I want to ask you to forgive me for looking at it in that way. And so... I love this last statement here. It says, only when Christ touches us are we made holy. Only through the the blood of Christ are we made holy, made pure. And today is a great day to trust God. Today is a great day to trust God to save us. Today is a great day to trust God to make us holy, to make us pure, to literally to cleanse us, to make us a spiritual virgin. If that's what your need is in this room to go, you know what? God, I want to quit. I want to quit living in sin. I want to quit following the pattern of this world. God, I want to be transformed. I want to be made new. And I want to change my way of thinking. And God, the only way I can do that, I know, is for you to do that. And so, Jesus, will you touch me? And Jesus, will you cleanse me? And Jesus, will you make me holy? And his answer is yes. Look, at a couple of steps here. Next steps for me today. If I'm not in a marriage relationship, what I am to do is to wait for God's best. If I'm not in a marriage relationship, is to wait for God's best. To wait. Just say, God, I'm going to wait. And we as a church don't need to always be going, hey, listen, that's dirty, that's nasty. No, it's not. It's just off limits right now. You just need to wait. Sex is not dirty. It's not nasty. It is beautiful. It is holy within the confines of marriage. And so we tell our young people, hey, listen, one day you'll be able to enjoy that with your spouse. One day you'll be able to enjoy it. And so, if you're not in a marriage relationship, it's to wait for God's best. Second thing is, if I'm married, is to be available and engaged with my spouse. There's some of you in this room that, mean, you know what, you need to go home and, and, and just make yourself available to your spouse. Some of you ladies need to go to your husband and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry if I haven't been there to meet that need. Some of you men, maybe you've been holding out, you need to go home and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry if I have not been there to meet that need. I'm sorry if I allowed Satan to have a foothold in our marriage. I'm sorry if, I, if we have become distant because of that. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And I want to ask God, if he will, to give me the, the courage and, and the willingness to meet that need. Even when I, maybe I don't feel like it, I want you to know I'm here for you. And so just maybe that's the step you need. Maybe that's what your marriage needs. Maybe it needs to be rekindled. It needs to be reignited. And for you guys to become passionately in love with each other. And begin to here's the thing, schedule time together, make time together. And to celebrate that and realize, you know what, hey, when we do this, this is holy. And don't dirty it up by trying to bring junk in there that is not of God. You know what you know what that might be. And then the last one here, if I'm single or married is to see sex as holy. It doesn't matter which one you are. You say, you know what? From this point forward, I'm not going to look at sex as something that's dirty or perverted. Not the way the world wants it to be. But I'm going to see it as something that is holy, that is set apart, that is for within marriage. And that God will bless it and that it honors God when we line up with His Word. That it honors Him. So today, maybe that you go, you know what? I'm changing the way I'm thinking. God, the only way I can do that is for you to change my mind. Let Him transform the way you think. Let Him transform the way you think. So that you'll know His will. Which is sex is holy and it's beautiful and it's god honoring in, in marriage and maybe you're in here and you're maybe you're in a you're living with someone i want to encourage you if you feel like hey that's the right relationship then don't separate i mean don't live together but you know what back out make sure it's the right relationship and if it is get married and if you're married in this room work on your covenant relationship work on being there for one another you know, and maybe there's some, some barriers, maybe there's some hurt wounds and some things that have happened through the years. And you're going, Mike, that sounds great, but we're not just going to go in and have sex. Because he hurt me or she hurt me. And their words have been mean. You know what? Maybe you just need to sit down and work through those things, bring those things out on the table and ask each other for forgiveness. And say, hey, listen, I want us to be one. Like the Bible talks about. And we've got to make sure, you know what, that the kids are not first. But the Christ is first in our life. And if the Christ is first, then you're second. And the kids will come after that. But it's a decision you have to make. And I want to encourage you today to make that decision. If you would, I want to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. There's a couple things I just want to touch on today. I realize in a room this size, there's some of you you've been hurt you lost your virginity a long time ago and maybe it wasn't your fault it could have been abuse it could have been a date rape it could have been anything and today maybe Satan's trying to make you feel dirty and unworthy That don't listen to that liar you listen to Christ who says he can make you whole he can make you clean and he loves you just the way you are And there's someone out there who will love you just the way you are. There may be some of you in the room that you've given your virginity away willingly. Maybe you weren't a Christian at that point. Maybe you didn't know any better, but now you do. Well, maybe today you say, you know what, from this point forward, I want to honor God with my body. I want to honor God with my thoughts. I want to honor God with everything that's in me. And God, I want to to honor you. Let me just say this That may involve breaking, up the, you know, breaking off the relationship you're in Or either setting some standards that need to be set I would encourage you to do that There may be some marriages in this room That the marriages are not where they need to be You're distant You haven't been intimate in weeks Maybe even months And when you were It was just checking it off a list That's not God honoring Maybe you need to sit down and talk with your spouse And work through some things But you want your marriage to to honor God. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Just to ask Christ to come and live within you, to change you, to make you whole, to make you pure. You might say, well, Mike, how do you do that?" It's like this. You say, Mike, I want to make that decision. I want to receive Christ. You say, Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. I want you to be my Lord. I want to ask you, if you will, to forgive me because I've sinned. I've messed up a lot, especially in this area of sexual sin. Jesus, you know what I've done. Will you forgive me? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you wash me and make me pure? His answer is yes. And so, Jesus, I want to ask you if you will, will you come and live within me? Will you be my leader, be my Lord? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you teach me how to live for you? His answer is yes. He wants a relationship with you. It's the reason he went to the cross. He wants you to have an incredible marriage. He wants you to have an incredible relationship with your spouse. So if that was your prayer, man, we want to know. We want to walk with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to encourage you. We want to be able to disciple you. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. Lord, I, I know there's a lot of marriages that are struggling in this room. Always are. Lord, I know there's a lot of people in this room that have crossed that line. There always are. God, I just pray that today that someone in here might be able to walk out of here knowing your plan, your purpose for the gift of sex within marriage. Father, the world's try to take everything. Satan tries to take everything that's yours and it'll just taint it. So God, today I pray that we maybe have allowed you to redeem that in our minds, in our hearts. God, that we would see things as you see them. And we would see people as you see them. And we would see our spouse as you see them. And we would love them the way that you've taught us to. God, I pray that if anybody in this room has put their faith in you today for salvation, I pray they would... Let us know. They can indicate it on a card. They can come back to the VIP room. But God, we want to walk with them. So God, I pray that you would just be honored today by what's been said, how we've covered it. But God, it's your word. It's your truth. Change us with it. In Jesus' name.